0: Before we start our episode, we want to welcome Middle Sister Wines as our happy hour sponsor. Did you know that birth order is commonly believed to have a profound and lasting effect on psychological development, and that the Middle Sister has a greater chance of having a wine named just for her? Well, welcome to the world of Middle Sister, sassy wines for Middle Sisters and everybody who loves them, which includes the Three Tomatoes. We've been fans for years of their delicious whites like Drama Queen Pinot Grigio, but we confess we're slightly partial to Rebel Red and her sassy remarks like, If anyone tells you they don't like red wine, stop talking to them. You don't need that kind of negativity in your life. They're more than just a wine. They're a family of sisters you're going to love. Learn more at Middlesisterwines.com. And now we hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to the Three Tomatoes Happy Hour. I'm Cheryl Benton, and I'm your host today. Many women get to midlife or beyond and start to feel that they're stuck. They may be in a job or a career that doesn't feel right anymore, or a life that doesn't feel right anymore. Many have given up on the dreams they once had. Well, here to help us get unstuck is Laura Gassner-Otting. She is the founder of Limitless Possibility, where she collaborates with entrepreneurs and investors. Laura has a 25-year resume that's defined by navigating change across startups, nonprofits, Profits, political and philanthropic organizations and includes having served as presidential appointee in Bill Clinton's White House, helping to shape AmeriCorps, which engages adults in public service. And she has a terrific new book called Limitless, How to Ignore Everybody, Carve Your Own Path and Live Your Best Life. Uh, that offers great advice for people at every stage of their lives and by the way it's been on the bestseller list just behind michelle obama's book so she's in good company and laura we are so happy to have you in our company today so welcome and it's a delight to have you here
1: oh it's so great to be here i'm i'm really excited cheryl it's gonna be a fun conversation
0: Great. So let's start with how do people get stuck pursuing an idea of success and even when often they've reached success and then they are what they thought was success and then they realize that they're just not happy. How does that happen? Well, you know, we're all carrying around these scorecards in
1: our back pockets of what success is supposed to be. And some of them know exactly what's on that scorecard. And some of us have like kind of a faint idea, but it's sort of like this guiding principle. And the thing is that those scorecards were often handed to us before we even had a frontal lobe, right? When we were like 16, 17, 18 years old, somebody said, pick a path, pick a trade, pick a college. And we said, okay. And we did. And the problem with that when you're 16, 17, 18 years old is that you don't have a frontal lobe, you know, like the part of your brain that actually determines good decision making. And so we, we make decisions for the rest of our life before we're actually capable of making a good one. And then we turn around one day when we're like 10, 15, 20 years into whatever ramifications that that decision has had. And we say, huh, is this all there is? Is this all I was meant for? Like, there's got to be more. And the problem is that we're already so far down the path that we never stopped and said, well, that's what success meant for my teacher or my mother or my sister or my friends. But is that really what success means for me? So we look down and we say, well, I've got this life that on paper looks like a great life, but it doesn't feel like a great life. Because it turns out I did all this work to build a life that was maybe meant for someone else.
0: Well, that that is so true. And you're right, especially, I mean, how how often do so many of us say to uh, a high school graduating kid, you know, so what are you going to do? You know, what's your plan? Yeah, (laughs) I mean, I had a
1: fourth grade teacher who said, you're a really argumentative young woman. You should become a lawyer. And of course, I told her she was wrong. But then (laughs) I created an educational path to put myself on, you know, a, a route to law school where I got there the very first week and looked around and said, this isn't for me. I don't belong here. And I thought I was a failure. Because I didn't fit into my fourth grade teacher's definition of success.
0: <laughs> well, thank goodness you figured that out early early on. Because I do. I know for so many of us, and I know so many women, especially as they, they get to, to some point in midlife, and they're like, oh, you're right. Is that all there is? What am I doing? So let's talk about how to, how to get unstuck and how to become limitless. So what does limitless mean to you? So have you ever had those moments where everything that you love to do and that you
1: do well is being called upon to solve a problem at hand that you care about deeply and you're being rewarded for it in a way that's either psychically or 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 karmically financially rewarding to you? Mm-hmm. You know those moments of like frictionless belonging of of flow of alignment when you're like, yeah, what I do matches who I am. That's what it feels
0: like to be the limitless. Okay. So now that's a big limitless is sounds really big here. So let's talk about how do you actually become limitless and you say you have to achieve consonants and I'd love you to talk about what that means because I think for a lot of us, that's actually a new concept. Yeah. So consonance is a
1: word that people are like, wait, what? And it's funny because the book was originally going to be called Consonance, and my publisher said, nobody's going to want, want to buy a book with a word on it that they don't know. But it turns out we all know the word consonance. It is the opposite of dissonance. Dissonance is is cacophony, right? It's, 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 it's when things are not harmonic. It's when they don't flow and they don't have alignment. But consonance is this beautiful feeling of everything just being right, everything being aligned. And what I learned, you know, I, I did executive search for 20 years. And... And um, what I, I, you know, I was really good at it, right? I was like the president of Smile and Dial. Like I had, I spent all day <laughs> picking up the phone and calling bold faced names about big giant jobs that they'd never heard of me before or heard of this job. And my my role was to help them um, to basically turn their lives upside down. And so I would call them up and I would tell them all about this great job. And I would listen for certain things like um, scale of impact or new skills that they'd want to, that they'd want uh, to. Uh, grow, uh, the pre- what the prestige of the brand might mean on their resume, uh, whether or not they'd be inspired by the leadership. Of course, I listen for things like money. But it turns out that once somebody filled in all the little check boxes on the scorecard that I put up there is like, what's the value of the job? I actually would lose some of my candidates because I never thought about what the value of the job would be to them. And so, consonance really is understanding that it may be that you're somebody who loves to travel. And so, if part of what you do when you love to travel is go to beautiful foreign cities, you know, urban destinations, uh, cosmopolitan uh, capitals of cities, it's going to cost you a lot of money to get there, but not a lot of time. You know, you can go to Paris on a long weekend. But if you're somebody whose travel includes going all deep into the National Park Service and waking up in the morning and having that breakfast over a fire, um, looking out over a mountain range, that's not going to cost you a lot of money but it's going to cost you a lot of time. So if I came to you and I said, here's a great job, and by the way, it's going to give you a 30% pay increase, but you're only going to get two weeks of vacation. If you're the person who wants to jet off to Paris and have your breakfast in bed, the Four Seasons, you're going to say, awesome, that value, that job is value for me. But if you're somebody who wants to have that breakfast over the fire, I'm looking out over that stream, you're going to say, actually, that job may be valuable, but it's not valuable for me. That job doesn't give that person consonants. And so what I came to learn in search was that I couldn't just throw a check, a scorecard, a checklist at somebody. I actually had to find for them meaning. And so the, the subtitle of the book limitless starts with how to ignore everybody, because the first thing we have to do is we have to ignore everybody else and everyone else's definition of what success is. You know, this whole idea that we're supposed to lean in and the fastest and most expedient path to the corner office is the only one that matters. And we know success, oh, by, the way, to the
0: top. by the way, I just, I loved your. I loved your uh, little discourse on lean In too, by the way, because uh, I I thought that was very powerful. And and a lot of us, uh, I think, didn't especially react particularly well to the lean in thing. So, yes. So So uh, if you're listening and somebody said to
1: you, you have a uterus, you're supposed to love lean in and you just didn't. Welcome to my club because I read it and I knew I was supposed to love it. Right. I knew I was supposed to love it. And the thing is. It worked for me. Like I used the same idea. Like we'd all be foolish not to use every bit of 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 resource and opportunity to throw ourselves at our career if that's what we want. I don't blame Sheryl Sandberg for the way that she achieved success. I blame her for the way that she defined success. Right, this one myopic, unflinching definition that the fastest and most expedient path to the corner office is the only one that matters. I think that leaves a lot of women and a lot of men out of the whole idea of success.
0: Exactly.
1: So how do we get unstuck? We stop leaning into everybody else's definition of success. And we figure what matters to us, what gives us consonants. And we lean into that with everything that we have.
0: Well, I love that. And your your book takes the reader through the four elements. And one of the things that I, I really loved about the book is that at the end of each one of your chapters, you actually give the reader questions to ask, ask themselves, which is so helpful. So you're not just... You know, putting a philosophy out there, but actually guiding us through how to do that. So, can you talk a bit about what these four elements are that are part of consonance?
1: Yeah. So, and, and thank you for um, commenting on the questions. I, When I get up, I do you know keynote speaking uh, for a living, and when I get up on stage, I'm often described as a kick in the pants, wrapped up in a warm hug. And so, the 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 <laughs> the, 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 the 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 push. I try to do a little bit of both. But the the idea that like, okay, now. Now you like you're on board with the concepts. So here's some really tough, agitating questions that are you know gonna help you figure this out. Um, and and I and I and I really you know fought to have those questions you know in the book so that people could actually do something with it. So the four elements are these and everybody is going to want and need them at different ages and different life stages at different amounts. So your version of consonants will look different than my version of consonants, but your version of consonants today will look different than your own version of consonants 10 and 15 years ago and 10 and 15 years from now. So the first is, and, and, and we you sh- have to have at least some of each of them, but you don't have to have a hundred percent of all of them first calling. Calling is this, you know, this idea of something that's bigger than you. It is a gravitational force, something that gets you out of bed. And it doesn't have to be a higher calling, a lofty purpose. I think we get off track because we think that calling has to be, uh, you know, a holier than thou, Mother Teresa feeding the lepers in India sort of thing. And it doesn't. Calling is only what matters to you. It's your purpose. And I looked the word purpose up in the dictionary thinking that I was going to see, you know, St. Peter at the pearly gates, you know, taking score and making sure that we, that, that, that we belong. And it turns out the definition of purpose is simply this, the reason for which something is done, that's all. So if the reason that you're working is that you wanna cure cancer, awesome. If the reason that you're working is that you wanna have financial flexibility and get yourself and your family out of debt, awesome. If the reason that you're working is that you wanna buy a beach house and a Maserati, that's awesome too, right? Everybody's purpose is their own purpose. And the only one who gets a vote about your purpose is you. So that's the first. The second is connection. Connection really answers the question what if you called in sick to work tomorrow? Would anybody care? Would anybody notice? And by the way, if your calling is staying at home and raising your children, this still applies to you because your connection is, if I didn't get out of bed and make the pancakes, would anybody care? Right? Like, what right. Does, does it actually matter? So connection is your way to say, does the work I'm doing on a daily basis help me to build that business, to cure that cancer, to grow that family? Does it help me? Do I see sight lines in how the work I'm doing on a daily basis actually matters to the calling that I've chosen to serve? Third is contribution. If connection is all about the work, contribution is really about you. So how does this work, this job, this brand, this paycheck, this family, this whatever contribute to the kind of life that you want to live, the lifestyle you'd like to have, the flexibility that you want, the values you want to manifest on a daily basis, or the career trajectory that you'd like to build? And then lastly is control. Each one of us wants and needs control differently I mean frankly I am a huge control freak I'm such a control freak that I sit on the aisle of uh, a seat in every airplane not because I think that when the plane goes down in a buyer you know fiery ball of flames I'm gonna survive but I even like the illusion of control <laughs> <laughs> and, and and studies have actually shown that people are more willing to take jobs that give them more control than more power like autonomy actually matters it counts and so control really answers the question how much personal personal agency do you have over how much connection your work has towards that calling and how much it contributes to the kind of life that you want to live. And, You know, when I was twenty one years old, dropping out of law school and joining a presidential campaign, I was, you know, paid with all the ramen soup and idealism I can eat. I didn't have a lot of contribution in the form of money, but boy, you know, was I able to manifest my values on a daily basis. I, you know, like the I was the gopher to the gopher to the gopher. Like by getting the coffee was not exactly connecting to wanting to change the world, but boy, did I feel a calling. That's entirely different than the person I am right now at 48 years old with, you know, a busy life. And two teenage kids, and a husband with a demanding job, and, yeah, you know, I travel 150,000 miles a year, and, you know, work with, you know, community uh, organizations, it's a completely different, my rubric is completely different now. And so the, the the book is written in a way that walks people through each of these stories, uh, or sorry, each of these elements of consonants, but also tell stories throughout of people who thought that they were going down one path, and then went, you know, actually, I'm really missing a little bit of calling or connection or contribution or control, and then talks about how these specific things that they did in their lives, their marriages, their work, their, their, their businesses to actually make the changes that they want to make so that they could find themselves in a state of consonance.
0: Yeah. And you have, a and you have a lot of great examples. And, um, I, I would love for you to, you know, maybe give us one of those kinds of examples because I think it would help. But before that, what would be, I mean, you have a lot of questions in the book because there's ones at each section. But if we were going to start right now starting to think about this ourselves, what would be three or four of the really key questions that we should start with, particularly if we're a midlife woman and we're feeling this, oh, my gosh, you know, is that all this is moment?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Well, I would say the first thing is, is a pretty broad question. But that question is, what does success mean for you? right? What actually matters to you? And I want to give people the full permission to say, well, actually, I don't really care about the work anymore. What I really want to do is be be present for my kids in middle school or my teenage kids because they're going to be gone soon. Or to be able to say, actually, I I can't stand my teenage kids. They're awful. I want to spend more time (laughs) at the office, right? Like there's no wrong answer. So I think the first thing is to say, what does success mean for you? right where where do you actually where do you want to end up and and if it's if it's early retirement if it's working forever like that's going to completely change what what your uh, picture is going to be i think that the 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 second thing i would ask is to think about a time when you did feel this feeling of consonance Who were you at this moment when you were at your very best, when you were in what Harvard Business Review calls your fundamental state of leadership, when the best of what you can do is being called upon to solve a problem that you care about and that you're being rewarded in a way that's meaningful to you? Who were you in that moment? Right. Then, of course, the next question to ask is, how do you live into that person more often? So how do you figure out how to change your work, how to change yourself, how to change your career, maybe your workplace, to give you more opportunities to be that person more? It may be that the person that the job that you're getting paid for, the job on your resume, is where you spend like half of your time, but really there's a lot of time that you spend at work where you're doing all sorts of other things that aren't actually in your job description, but that you love more. Can you make changes to be doing more of that sort of work? And then the last question I'd ask, and this is the kick in the pants part of it is what would be the cost if you don't, you know, we all get this one big juicy life and you can always make more time. or You can always make more money. You can always, you know, make more health, but you can't make more time, right? Like that's just, it's right. going sands to the hourglass, right? It's disappearing. And so we really have to take advantage of figuring out who we want to be and leaning into that person as much as we can every minute we're here.
0: Well, those are really great, really great questions to think about whether you're, you know, in a scenario that, you know, career wise that you're already in, or what happens so often you've you want to leave that scenario or sometimes you've been forced out of that scenario and gosh you knows we all know a lot of
1: mm-hmm. uh
0: Women who get to midlife who, for one reason or another, have been you know, pushed out of careers. Some of it is actually called ageism. Yes. <laughs> and they have to start rethinking what they want to do. And even if they had, had a choice, they probably couldn't go back to what they were doing. So those are all great questions. And in, in a very hopeful way, I think, to look at, you can change that path you've been on. Yeah, and I think that, uh, you know, I think that we spend a lot of time as women in particular
1: apologizing for ourselves, apologizing for taking up space, maybe Uh, trying to continue to shrink um, into the expectations that people used to have for us, even though we've grown as individuals. Um, And so there's a part of the book where I, I, I actually, I mount a defense against the word ambition. (laughs) <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think that ambition has gotten a bad rap of late. And I think especially for women, right? Um, Nobody yeah. says, oh, he's so ambitious, right? They're like, but oh, she's so ambitious. Is like, God forbid, you can be anything you want to be. There are studies that show that, that, that women who are in power are very popular, but women who want to get into power are not at all right? That we loved Hillary Clinton when she was secretary of state, but when she was running for president, everybody hated her, right? I mean, it's just a really fascinating, and that goes for, you know, Condoleezza Rice goes people on both sides of the aisle, but that women in positions of power are respected. Women who are seeking positions of power are reviled. And so here's what I have to say. I believe that showing that, 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 that having more money, more time, more opportunity, more power, more leverage, more foundation, more resources allows us to show up better for the people that we love and the causes we hold dear. And if that's the case, then I think our wanting to make changes and to take advantage of all the on-ramps and off-ramps that we get as women in our lives, I believe that taking advantage of that is not our ambition. It's in fact our responsibility.
0: Well, that's great. And, you know, as you were talking, I couldn't help thinking about our, our U.S. women's soccer team, too, you know, who, who've who actually come under criticism for the way they've been celebrating their amazing wins. And I, I think that's another example of, uh, of what you've been talking about. For here. sure. And but here's the thing about the, the, the U.S. women's soccer team. They didn't sit around
1: waiting for what they deserved. They decided to go after what they demanded and they did it. So, you know, what I love about this, and I was trying to explain this to my my 15-year-old son, who could not understand why I was so emotional about the victory, uh, the U.S. World Cup victory, is that is that it's not just that they asked for something. It's that they demanded it, and then they yes. worked hard to make it happen in a way that was unimpeachable, right? That was just – it wasn't just like they got by in a technicality. They were – dominant and they knew that they'd have to work four times as hard in order to do that. And the fact that they did it and they let the work show and they celebrated, I've just I I was so taken by the whole thing, but I, I fully believe that if we sit around in life and we wait for what we deserve, we will never get what we demand.
0: Absolutely, hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> so can you can, give us an example if you could from uh, from someone in the book who actually found their their consonants? I know you had several, but if you could share one, that would be great. Yeah, I can tell the story of Laura
1: Acosta, uh, who found herself uh, mid-career. I actually met her because her kids and my kids went to the same Montessori preschool. So we got to know each other uh, sitting on the, on the board of that school years and years and years ago. Her husband is a high school math teacher, and she was a, a, an attorney at a, a very fancy downtown private uh, law firm. And so she was the breadwinner, you know, majority breadwinner, the provider of of uh, benefits and all of that. And she was doing this sort of like nameless, faceless, uh, you know, uh, work for um big corporations and um, you know, class action lawsuits. And she just, she just wasn't loving it and she couldn't figure out why. And then her father was diagnosed and, and between diagnosis and, and and passing away within just a few months. And she realized that life was short and that she shouldn't be unhappy in her work, but she couldn't leave the law firm because she was the one who was, was the bread earner uh, or the breadwinner. So what she did is she started to make subtle moves within the law firm so that she could actually end up, Uh, doing what you really wanted to do, which was diversity and inclusion work stuff that she thought was really interesting. Of course, she was absolutely not qualified whatsoever for that, but she started moving from doing the the um, the class action law work to starting to do some human resources legal work. And then from there, as she started to get more experienced and take more continuing education classes, um, ended up having the, you know enough of a background that when her dream job opened, which was actually working in diversity and inclusion in HR within the giant, you know, multinational law firm, she actually moved into that position. So she was able to make changes, uh, you know, to find the kind of consonants that she wanted, while also not um, sacrificing the
0: contribution that she needed the career to make to her family. That's a a really great example. So really, Laura. So I want to thank you so much for uh, being our guest today and sharing some of your wisdom. And really, everyone needs to go out and buy your new book, Limitless How to Ignore Everybody, Carve Your Own Path, and Live Your Best Life. It's available on Amazon and booksellers everywhere. And you can learn more about Laura at limitlesspossibility.com. So, Laura, thank you so much and best of luck with the book.
1: Thank you so much. And if anybody wants to follow me on social, all my good friends call me LGO, so I'm at hey lgo. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. We really Excellent. appreciate it. Thank you. It's great fun. Okay. <laughs>